Hi, and welcome to the Flare Confidence Podcast. Today we have Dr. Wendy LeBourne, a sought-after voice pathologist, speaker, author, and clinician regarding voice wellness and vocal athletes. With over 20 years of experience as a healthcare professional with a PhD in communication sciences and disorders, Dr. LeBourne brings a unique blend of the art and science of the human voice and its impact and influences on others. Welcome, Wendy. Good morning, Christy. Thanks for having me for your podcast today. Thank you. Well, I will tell you, it's a little intimidating having a voice coach on the air with me, and you can just bet I'm going to say like um, Valley Girl something or another along the way. So I'm going to try not to talk a lot today, and I'm going to let you go. Um, but let's start. I had never heard of what a vocal athlete is, so tell our listeners, what is that? So your voice is part of your whole body, and just like a professional athlete has to be in in top shape physically and mentally, a vocal athlete is someone who uses their voice at their maximum, and they really need to be near 100% in order to even be competitive in their field. So when you say their body posture is one thing, but also like, do they have to have lung capacity, breath capacity, all of that to like a cardio effect as well? It depends on what you do. So for my performers who are tap dancing and singing at the same time, yes, cardiovascular fitness becomes very important. Uh, When you're a speaker, you want to make sure that you don't sound breathless when you're speaking because that gives your audience the impression of being stressed or that nobody wants to hear you huffing and puffing as you're speaking. It comes down to alignment, breath, breath power, how your vocal folds come together, and then everything up above your vocal folds, which shapes your sound and gives you your unique quality to your voice. That's, again, had never thought of that. So that's really interesting. Um, Tell us, I'm very much, part of my practice is helping you create your best first impression Mm -hmm. from an image standpoint. Talk to us how the voice helps in that regard. Well, your voice becomes your calling card. People know you by your voice when you answer the phone, when you walk in a room. So as an audience, unique voices often are the ones we remember. It's not necessarily a perfect voice, but it's an interesting voice. And interesting voices that we can talk about that are public voices would be somebody along the lines of James Earl Jones or Demi Moore. We know those voices and we associate the sound of the voice with that person. So as a vocal athlete, as somebody who speaks, we, when you walk into a room, associate you with your voice. And if you look one way and your voice doesn't fit what people's physical impression of you is, then that becomes a disconnect for your listener. So is that something you help your patients with, changing so that it it's unique but still part of their image? It depends because we want to create optimal voice. And as a speech pathologist, my, my job has always been to optimize voice. So if it's not within your physiology, if you're a tiny person and you want to sound like this, <laughs> that's not going to be in my best interest to train you that way because simply that's outside of your physiology. It's not that you can't do it. It's just probably not the most cost efficient way to be speaking. And have you noticed trends in the past years that have changed or in the world? Are there different dialects or different um, language skills that have changed? Absolutely. So post-1960, when the women's lib movement came into existence, we saw the average pitch of the female voice drop Mm. over time. So 
pre-1960, you know, the average woman's voice might be somewhere up here like this. And then as time has gone, we've kind of gone down into this voice. And even though this is not going to be a political discussion, if people want to go back and listen to Hillary Clinton's voice, which can be polarizing one way or the other, people tend to either like her voice or it is a huge detractor of her voice. Um, You can hear her voice change from high pitch to Arkansas dialect to no dialect to now this very deep chesty voice. So I'm not sure who her voice coaches are, Mm -hmm. um, but there has been clearly some coaching that's been going on to modify her voice quality over the years. That's incredible. I think I've never even thought through that. So what about... um the opposite, the the cutesy valley girl, high pitched, lots of question marks in the voice. How do that sometimes drives me crazy when I hear of these younger girls doing that? How can what's a good advice to share with them? Well, there are several cues that we hear as listeners that you may or may not even recognize because until you start thinking about your voice, you don't usually think about your voice. And sometimes the more you think about the voice, the worse it is. So going back to these <laughs> cues, um, glottal fry is something that has pervaded voices recently. Kind of thank you to the Kardashians. And fry is this sound where we hear it. We'll often hear it at the ends of sentences. And it is actually associated with a socioeconomic level in females, which is a little bit fascinating. Higher economic. Uh, higher economic status, primarily um, white females in their mid to late 20s. Okay. Um, and so if you don't have that fry going on, then you are not viewed uh, within the ranks of that. So That's I don't want to say that it's sorority girl talk or, or things like that. Cause I don't want to pigeonhole folks, but that is someplace we see that we see it pervading high schools. Um, and I see it all the time in, in my speakers. It's not that you can't ever use that voice, but you want to have options. You don't want to not be able to get out of this voice. If you have to go do a presentation, On the opposite side of that, we see something called uptalk, where people, everything becomes a question, and we add the likes in there. So like, oh my gosh, oh my, yeah, that is like the coolest like thing ever. And so in a professional world, and especially for executives, male or female, we don't want to hear that uptalk and the filler words, which Mm -hmm. we all have, you need to use those sparingly. And if that is part of your prosody or the way that you speak, that is something that can be modified, especially in presentation or public situations where your voice becomes very important. When you walk in a boardroom, when you walk behind that podium, what do things look like? So talk us through some ways that we can help brand ourselves. What are some tips you could give us that we could practice at home? Everything from leaving the voicemail or introducing ourselves or... Anything you want to share? Just like any athletic endeavor, practice makes better. It doesn't always make it perfect, but it makes better. And you can train your instrument, your vocal instrument, your body to to be at maximum for you. So some of the things that you can do at home, one is practice. You need to practice in front of the mirror. No one really loves listening to their voices most of the time. 
But you should record your voice and listen for those markers that may be deterrence or detracting from your message. Because just like when you present uh, a new product or you are introducing a new idea, you need that to be authentic for your audience to come with you. Your voice has to be authentic. So you need to find what that authenticity is for you. If you talk up here like this all the time, we need to maybe find a new authentic for you unless that is your shtick. Yes. Because Fran Drescher clearly made a living at doing that. But that was her brand. Mm -hmm. So if your voice doesn't match your brand, then we need to potentially think about that. And we can practice those things. If you, Christy, are a bubbly, excited person, your rate of speech might be faster and that fits who you are. If you are a politician and you need to say, vote for me, we need to have a different brand than vote for me, vote for me, because it comes across differently. So being authentic to what that is and maximizing your strengths. What else? What else can we be doing? Um, Practice in front of a mirror. So we make judgments about people based not just on what they sound like, but what they look like, what their physical cues are in combination with their verbal output. Here in a podcast, it's challenging because no one can see what we're doing. So if I'm putting my hands in your face, nobody on the outside is going to know that. But when you're standing giving a presentation, your voice needs to match your physical cues. Mm -hmm. So if you're super bubbly and want to present this great personality, but you're standing with your arms crossed and you're staring at the floor, I don't care how excited your voice is, it's not going to come across with the right uh, direction that you want to go. very distracting. So your audience is very distracted by that body image, even though your voice is conveying enthusiasm. Absolutely. And depending, this gets into a little bit more of presentation style, but depending on whether you're in a small room or a large room, the degree and amount of gesturing that you do can be very impactful with your voice. So we could take something along the lines of a physician saying, you have cancer. So if somebody says that to you in the same tone, but they cross their arms or they look down or they have their hand on their desk or they're typing, those are going to give you a different sense of what that means and how serious that is. Mm -hmm. You can also readjust the um, inflection of those terms. So you have cancer. You have cancer. You have cancer. So each of the ways that you say that make it sound a little bit different. Practicing that in front of a mirror becomes really, really important so that your gestures look as natural as your speech sounds. That's a great point. And Uh, an easy thing to do, honestly, for anyone doing a presentation. Absolutely. you can practice for a couple of nights in advance. So one of the other things that becomes potentially important, what would you do before you exercise? Well, I should stretch. I should probably drink a little water and be hydrated. Mm -hmm. Why would you do those things? (laughs) So that I don't tear a muscle when I go out for my run. (laughs) Okay. And the older we get, the more important that generally becomes. Exactly. And maybe even after the run, I should do that too. What else does warming up do for you physically? I think mentally get me in the place of where Mm -hmm. I'm going, getting excited, get my music queued up. Mm -hmm. Um, I might say a devotional prayer to 
mm-hmm. to donate to the run as well. And I think you've keyed in on a few things that I like to talk about with warm up, even for vocal warm up. It improves your mental focus. You get in the zone of, okay, this is what I have to do. It improves flexibility, which is why you don't tear a muscle. You're very unlikely to tear a vocal fold. That's probably not going to happen. But what it does provide is flexibility and tuning in of your resonators. So I highly recommend that people warm up their voices, their breath, and get mentally focused. Do we need to do like la, 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 like something like that? Not unless you're a singer. (laughs) (laughs) But if you talk about a flexibility exercise and you talk about stretch, The way that you can stretch the vocal folds is literally going from low to high. And there are a variety of exercises you can do. So going from low to high is literally a stretch and a contraction of the laryngeal mechanism. But you've got to balance that with your breath and your resonance. Um, somebody who does something similar, but it's not a good stretch. Ah, that is stretching, but it's not done in a healthy way. Okay. And you may not, you may lack the flexibility to actually be able to stretch appropriately, but I do recommend you warm up before you speak. And incidentally, you talked about hydration, which becomes very important for the voice. What we know is you need to hydrate at least two hours before you get any benefit from the hydration because nothing you drink goes over your vocal folds. So you have to internally hydrate so that your body produces a thin enough mucus to keep your vocal folds vibrating efficiently. Oh my gosh. So it's very physiologically based. I would never have thought of any of this. What about the seasons changing? Like with the allergens around and the humidity here in Ohio, like how does that affect your voice? Well, certainly people who travel a lot to different parts of the country or different parts of the world may be very affected by seasonal changes, humidity or dry air Mm -hmm. or recycled air on airplanes and things like that. So when I have elite vocal athletes or speakers who are traveling and performing, there are things that we recommend. So if it's more than a six to eight hour flight and humidity is something that bothers you, and I'm not promoting any product here, there is something called a humidifier that you actually wear that recycles your own air so that you actually get the humidity from yourself when you're on these long flights. When you get to a hotel room and the hotel rooms are notoriously dry, Mm -hmm. you can turn the shower on full blast hot to allow some of the steam to come into the room. I am. I recommend steamy showers in the hotels just to add some moisture to your day. Um, those are some of the key points. Allergy-wise, if you are sensitive to allergies, you want to make sure, A, that you have medications that keep them under control for you, and B, if you are congested or sound stuffy, how do you work around that sound if you've got to do a performance? if you've got to do a presentation. Mm-hmm. So learning to maximize your resonance is something you know that I do in training. That you can be taught. Last question in that regard, what about caffeine and alcohol? I've heard that constricts your vocal cords, so as a performer, you should probably avoid? Well, there, again, nothing's getting to your vocal folds. Okay. So what happens from a caffeine standpoint is that it dries out, again, the mucus. So your body is gonna produce two quarts of mucus whether or not you drink any water. If you don't drink enough 
hydrating fluids to keep the mucus thin and watery and you drink too much caffeine, then the mucus becomes sticky and glue-like. When it's secreted onto the vocal folds, it can actually interrupt the vibration of the vocal folds. So you have a tendency to clear your throat more. You can sometimes hear the phlegm on the vocal folds and it can interrupt the vibration. Alcohol is also drying. I, I laugh a little bit about this because what happens not only with alcohol is, is drying, but it creates decreased inhibitions. So you are more likely to do things vocally under the influence of alcohol that you might not do normally. So you tend to be louder. If you sing karaoke, you will sing things at karaoke that you wouldn't typically sing, and you will say and do things that you don't typically do. So those things, because when you're louder, you impact the vocal fold harder, you get increased swelling, it becomes this downward spiral. That's purely physiologic. So it's not that you can't have a drink of alcohol or a cup of coffee, but you wanna take a cup of coffee and then have a glass of water. You wanna counterbalance that. And the new rule of thumb is no longer 64 ounces of water a day. It is take your body weight, divide your body weight in half, and that's the minimum number of ounces of water we should be thinking about consuming minus any exercise or environment. So that's a whole lot more water for that's, most people than that's the 64 ounces. Mm-hmm. So Wendy, you have performers on Broadway. Mm-hmm. You have performers on cruise ships. Mm-hmm. You have performers from children to older adults. Mm-hmm. Any just fun stories you want to share with us? Any um, celebrity sightings? Anything <laughs> like that? Just I can't share my, my client data because sure. I think that it violates... Some laws to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, as I was walking out of the hospital yesterday, they're getting ready to film a movie there, and I did run into Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell, which was a little bit exciting. I didn't speak to them. There was a lot of camera crew around. For me, one of the most satisfying parts of my job is to be able to take somebody from either injury back to function or function to maximum, where they are performing, where they are speaking, and back in their element of doing what they love to do. Um, you know, that's super satisfying. I love helping people be better versions of themselves, which is totally what you do. Absolutely. And that's why I've loved talking to you because when I first met you, it was for a um, family friend's child looking to become a better performer. And then just as I've learned about your business and your goals and desires, like that you really do want to help all levels of people Mm -hmm. from the business executive presenting a better speech to, um, any really, any salesperson just having a better shtick to the actual performer. And so for any of our listeners who are interested in meeting Wendy, she is local. You Well, actually, I shouldn't even say that. You're everywhere. You, you can, anyone can hire Dent, Wendy. She's across the country. Um, you can reach her at drwendy.me. Um, is there anything you'd like to say about your practice while you have a captive well, audience? <laughs> I have a captive audience. You know, I'm really excited and feel... you know, moving forward with my career for the next 20 years, that maximizing executive voices to be able to maximize performers to be their best selves, 
you don't hesitate to hire a personal trainer when you go to the gym, not so much that you don't know what you're doing, but to maximize the time you Mm -hmm. spend at the gym, the muscles that you're using, that you're doing the exercises accurately. Because if somebody tells me to do bicep curls and that will make my abs flat, I will do bicep curls all day. If only. If only. (laughs) Um, But similarly, if you're going to work on your voice, I think that that having somebody with the knowledge of the physiology and anatomy think of me as a personal voice trainer, different than a singing voice coach or a singing voice teacher, because of the communication sciences and disorders background, it allows me to incorporate the way you sound, maximization, and performance in public settings. Because at the end of the day, your voice is part of what's going to get you hired or what people are going to do to buy your product, whether you realize it or not. So spend the time and invest the time and money to maximize that because you've done it for your company. Completely agree. Thank you so much for joining us today, Wendy. Thank you for having me. It's been terrific.